0: or tell that person in high school how much you like them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decision or moment changed the course of their lives
1: and how things might have looked if they had never happened.
2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash/host.
0: My guest today is Andrea McLean. Andrea is an award-winning TV broadcaster, journalist, radio presenter, and CEO and co-founder of the female personal growth site This Girl Is on Fire. Andrea was born in Scotland and grew up in Trinidad. After moving to England, she finished her education, backpacked around the world, and then moved to London to pursue her career of becoming a writer, which turned into an amazing 26-year career in broadcasting. Best known as the host for Loose Women for 13 years, she has interviewed some of the biggest names in the business, including Beyonce, Will Smith and Oprah. In 2020, Andrea decided to pivot her career and pursue her passion for service and devote her time to empowering women through personal growth and she set up This Girl is on Fire. Now an accredited life coach, Andrea puts personal growth in the palm of your hand. This Girl is on Fire's membership is a gym for the mind where she hosts masterclasses with experts, interviews with inspiring women and live events. If that wasn't enough, she is also now a number one Sunday Times best-selling author and hosts Hello Magazine's High Street Hits. Andrea has had an amazing journey and I cannot wait to discuss her moments on Sliding Doors. So welcome to the podcast, Andrea.
2: Oh my goodness. It's the strangest thing here in your life read out like that because it all just sounds so seamless. And then I did this. And then I did that. And <laughs> it all just fell into place. And I lay back on my chaise being fed grapes. It's so funny. It's brilliant. Thank you. It's amazing. Well, you did it. So
0: thank you so much for being here. And it's weird because I do feel like I know you because you've been in our living rooms for so many years. Um, And I said to you before, it is hard when you interview such a great interviewer. So I hope I do this justice today. So you were born in Scotland, but
2: actually grew up in Trinidad. I never knew that. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that about me. And they just think that my weird accent is because I'm from the West country and I'm not from the West country because I'm I'm quite curly with my R's, if you know what I mean. Yes. And a lot of people think I'm from Dorset or somewhere like that. And no, I'm um, from Glasgow originally. My family still all live in Scotland. But my dad, my dad left school at 15 and became an apprentice uh, making machinery and then was asked to go and help put some machinery into a factory in the Caribbean, having wow. never left the UK before, just married my mum. They'd been together since they were teenagers, you know, and then they found themselves living overseas for the re- literally the rest of my dad's career. They never really came home. We did for short bursts, but now my sister and I grew up all over the place.
0: Amazing. That's such an amazing kind of way to start your life. And as you say, it kind of explains the accent more, which people probably may not have known about you. Um, So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, your new venture, This Girl Is On Fire, because it's such a brilliant concept. And I guess I wanted to start with finding out what was the catalyst for kind of leaving Loose Women and really starting on your own?
2: Well, This Girl Is On Fire had existed for two years previously it's been going for three years now um but it was just an online blog mm-hmm. it was it was just a, an online space where I helped women feel better about themselves because of my journalistic background so I was writing articles and then getting people I knew to write articles about their expertise their area of expertise and then people were approaching me saying I really love what you're doing can I join in and then what was what started off as just a passion project. I was paying for amazing journalists to come and, you know, hone their craft and and showcase their expertise. But I was paying everybody, which is the right thing to do, clearly. But it meant that I was self-funding this whole project. So then Mm -hmm. suddenly I have, um, you know, a web team. I have, you know, contributors. And it was all going so brilliantly. It was being seen by 80 countries around the world. Amazing. But... I was turning down sponsors, turning down adverts because I wanted to keep it absolutely pure. I didn't want it to be one of those sites where it's like any other one where like adverts are popping up all the time. So it meant I was running myself ragged, taking every other job I could and pouring it all into, into this thing. In a nutshell, how it came about in its current in um its current form is I experienced burnout and a breakdown. Mm. I literally ran into a wall, but not literally, because that sounds quite painful. I actually fell to the floor. Yeah. Um, I couldn't keep doing it. So Nick and I, my husband and I, we run it together. We sat down and thought, right, we need to make this a proper commercial venture but keep its heart really pure. So we decided to uh, make it into a membership where basically it's like a subscription. You, you, you pay to be part of the service. And what that means is it's so exciting. It's, it's like a gym membership, but for the mind. It's great. And the way I see it is people are so used to this whole idea of being a member of a gym that you work out physically to keep your body strong, but we never work out mentally to keep our mind strong. And yet, our mind is where everything starts. That's mm-hmm. where your feelings begin, where your thoughts begin. That's where your motivation starts. So to me, it was a kind of no brainer that we we formed this, this, this whole ethos, which is I, my goal, my universal goal is to make it as normal for people to go to a gym for the mind as it is to go for a, a gym for the body. It's such a brilliant concept.
0: And I think as well, after the year we've all had, everyone's a lot more in tune, I think, with their minds and their mental health. And, you know, I can see even from you talking about it, how passionate you are. And it's, it's brilliant and inspiring to see someone take that leap. I mean, was it hard? It's hard for anyone to leave a job that they've been in for like five years, let alone 13. Was that a really hard decision for you to make? Or did you just feel like the time was right?
2: I just felt like the time was right. And um, because I had tried to keep a foot in each camp, because I'd, you know, I'd been running the site, plus also doing TV work, and I felt like my head wasn't properly in either. By the yeah. time it came for me to think, right, I'm, I really I really believe in this and I really want to give it my all, it was a no-brainer. And the, the pandemic played a huge part in that. And, you know, I felt is this the most stupid decision in the whole world because I'm so lucky that I've I've got a job one I've got a job working in entertainment when theaters are closing and people are losing losing their work I had a steady job I was working on daytime TV um but my heart didn't feel like it was the yeah. right thing to do to stay so even though my head was going uh mortgage bills hello children yeah. feed <laughs> um my and I, I just thought you know what I'm 51 this pandemic has just shown us that you do not know how long you've got. You don't know what's around the corner. There's people way smarter than you that have made all these forecasts for 2020 and none of them happened. Mm-hmm. You, just because you think awful things might be around the corner, you need to flip it 180 and think, yeah, but maybe amazing things are around the corner. So I literally wrote the email and just stepped off oh into the God. unknown.
0: It's so great and I think you make a really good point because I think that sometimes especially as women we think success is being able to do everything all at the same time and it's really not like I think success is being able to realize that you can't do everything and like you know you you end up doing loads of things but not giving your all to everything and then nothing becomes what you want it to be so it's brilliant where where did you actually come up with the name? Um, this goes on fire. Cause I have to say, every time I hear it, the song plays in my head. I don't know if anyone else <laughs> says that to you.
2: And it's great because it makes <laughs> me feel really empowered. <laughs> well the song came about um, and what's funny is when we when we came up with the idea of the 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 name the song popped into our head and we were like oh my god this is brilliant because everyone's going to get the song stuck in but that's not why it, and, and obviously we had to google it and make sure are we allowed to use this name and thankfully yeah. we are because the song is actually called girl on fire and we're called this girl is on perfect fire. it came about because of my age because of being in my 50s at this age most of us are going through the menopause, and so you get hot flushes. Ah, I so love that. One word because I was on fire, uh, but also to show you can be on fire in amazing ways. Yeah. So it was taking the mickey out myself. What a great idea. I love that.
0: Um, I'm really glad I asked you that question. Um, <laughs> so I also can't not ask you about your amazing career in broadcasting um, because you have interviewed and done so much. Um, I'd love to know. Personally for you, what's the best interview that you've ever done?
2: That's such a good question because most people just ask me, oh, who's the most famous or, you know, or who's the most difficult? But actually my favourite interview that I think was the best interview I've ever done um, was Harry Connick Jr. Now that's a blast from the past. Not everyone might necessarily, you know, know Harry Connick Jr. Now he's a musician, he's an actor, hugely talented extremely handsome man. Very handsome. um, Very handsome man. And basically, but it was back in my breakfast TV days, because I worked on breakfast TV before joining Lou Women. And when I joined as a weather girl, I let them know that actually I'm a trained broadcaster. I'm a trained print journalist and that can do more than, than the weather. So I'm a features journalist rather than a news journalist. And I'm very good at chatting to people. So yeah. I grew my skills that way. So I was asked to go and interview either people who were difficult, people who were nervous, shy or whatever. And then right at the very end of that, sometimes I'd get a really great nugget and I'd get a great showbiz person. Yeah. And I was given the job of interviewing Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. at the time was huge. He was in this film with Sandra Bullock. Oh, I remember that film. It's such a good film. Exactly. So yes. it was. he was huge at the time. And I was sent to interview him in a hotel, but not in, normally it's in a, you go to a suite, you get six minutes. I had an hour with him and I researched every tiny, tiny bit of information (laughs) that I possibly could just on my own, just, just as much homework as I possibly could on him. And I had pages and stacks of notes and he walked in and, oh my gosh, I mean, trying to stay calm when a a-list superstar walks into the room is really hard because you you're overwhelmed by their gorgeousness male or female and yeah. also you want them to like you, you have yeah this you want to be you, their friend you know you want to be their friend you're going to meet them they're going to think you're amazing and then next thing they're going to be coming around for dinner you know <laughs> and it's so we sat down and I did a full hour interview with him and I barely looked at my notes because I'd done all the research myself and I knew everything about him. Yeah. And at the end of it, because I hadn't looked at my notes, we'd had a. it was just a conversation mm-hmm. with someone who knew everything about him. At the end of it, he he stood up and he shook my hand and he said, I've I've done a lot of interviews in my time. but That's the best interview I've ever done. I've wow. enjoyed Every minute of it. Thank you so much. And I just went, Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. And went home and went, <laughs> yes. Oh. It, it that moment when you feel like you've done a good job and you kind of know deep down you've done a good job. Yeah. There's nothing
0: like it. no, but that's those are the best ones. And it's it's so true because we can often you you know, you do I prepare a lot, and I'm sure you and you just said you do as well, but it's it's sometimes that natural connection and knowing how much, you know you think you need your notes, but you don't because you just had that connection. And that's actually when the conversation flows. Oh, I love that story. That's so great. So I also wanted to ask you, are you a fan of the film Sliding Doors and what's kind of your concept around or your thoughts around the concept of, you know, everything happens for a reason, those what if moments really based on your life and your beliefs?
2: I I love the film. I love the concept. I love the whole idea of this podcast. I just think it's genius because every single one of us on the planet has had a sliding doors moment. And I love mm-hmm. that we now have a, a term for it, which I'm yes. sure even, you know, when the film was made, they, they didn't know they would become this, this, this term. We, you know, we may have called it what if moments, but I, I, I love it. I I think that you have to accept that things happen for a reason. Otherwise you'd go mad Yeah. because you spend your whole life thinking, yeah, but maybe if that had happened and yeah, but maybe it didn't happen or it did happen. Mm-hmm. So now what are you going to do about it? And I think the reason I like it so much is because it's very much focused on what, what your situation is right now in your present and what your solution is for your future.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's why I like this way of thinking because there is literally no point thinking, yeah, but what if that had happened? Because it didn't, yeah. it didn't.
0: And actually, I think that's why I love delving into people's moments is because you're right, You at the time you don't want to be like, what if, like that it didn't happen, but what's nice is when you reflect back, it, it you, you, bring an appreciation to your life and where you were and what happened. And, you know, sometimes it's brilliant to step back and look at your life as a film and like, look at like, well, I didn't catch the train and that this happened. So um, no, I'm so excited to chat to you about yours because they're brilliant moments. Um, And we're going to get right into them. So your first one is my parents asking me to come home early from a backpacking from backpacking around Australia, which ultimately led me to go all in on my dream of becoming a writer and moving to London. So, When did you go to Australia? Who did you go with? Why did your parents make you come back early? Do you want to explain the moment for us?
2: Well, I had... Always wanted to go traveling. I think because of how I grew up, you know, I, I didn't just grow up in Trinidad. I grew up in the Philippines for a while. Um, we moved all around the UK as, as well. So I'd always thought, oh, I'm really good at traveling. What, of course, I didn't realize was I'm really good at being taken places by my parents. thing. <laughs> <different. laughs> <laughs> to being really good at traveling yeah. um but when I when I um finished my degree I did a history and politics degree I then worked for a full year I did three jobs I worked in an office I worked in a shop and I worked in a bar worked literally seven days a week for a year to save up the money to go traveling and hey kids you won't know what this feels like but it was before the days of mobiles yeah before the internet um Literally, I had to leave my parents a list of post office addresses really? where, uh, and a timetable for where I thought I'd be so that they could write me a letter and <laughs> I would receive it. So when you went backpacking back in the good old days, nobody knew where you were. Yeah, You literally were off grid. You just disappeared. So I, I went backpacking with my then boyfriend and we got on a flight to India. Uh, arrived in Delhi, stood there not knowing what had hit us. At the time when that you're referring to, uh, we were in Australia by then and mm-hmm. we actually stayed in Australia for quite a while. I loved it. We oh, it's uh, again I was there. doing lots of lots of jobs. Yeah, I, I was living uh I lived I lived for a long time in Coogee Beach, which is near Bondi Beach. Yes. Um we moved out of the hostel, we shared a flat where we well, I mean, literally it was a mattress on a floor with damp and things crawling up the walls but we didn't care it was it was great um we'd we'd broken up but decided um, to carry on traveling together really? he decided that he he didn't want to be with me anymore um and weirdly because we bought, bought joint tickets for some reason we thought we'd carry on traveling together and looking back on that? it now it made no sense was yeah. it was awful it was really awful oh, he was off chatting up all the girls oh, and i'd be no. like i don't really to do oh so god it was ridiculous um and we happened to be in new zealand at the time and uh we went to a payphone and to, to ring home and just check in and um, i rang home and a stranger's voice answered the phone and i thought i dialed the wrong number yeah and uh i said oh oh sorry it's jack mclean betty mclean and he said ah you must be Andrea. I've been expecting you. I said, who are you? Oh, my gosh. And my, my parents had moved. Really? And they had moved while I was travelling because clearly they couldn't get in touch with me. Yeah. And he um, had been left with a number. So eventually I managed to track my parents down. And they were moving to Africa because my oh. dad had been offered another job. They were still in the UK and they just said, look, we've been trying to get in touch with you. Your dad's been offered this job. Uh, Will you come back because your sister's just starting university and we want to know that there's someone here for her? So I did. So I kind of rushed through the last little bit of my trip and I I came home and I managed to see them for four days, I think it was, before they went off to Africa. So, yes, I came home to um, look after my younger sister. But that was an amazing sliding doors moment because... I've often thought what would happen if I hadn't come back because all these amazing things did happen. I ended up, I thought, right, I'm going to really focus on being a writer. It's what I've always Mm -hmm. wanted to do. I started as a travel writer based on all the experiences that I'd had. Um, But there's a bit of me that I do think, gosh, if that sliding doors moment hadn't happened, I think I would probably be living in a beach hut somewhere. Very, living a very, very different life. Obviously TV would never have happened. Yeah. Um, I, how I imagine myself living is, is I'd still be writing and writing books. um, Probably I don't think I'd be interviewing Harry Connick Jr. and Oprah (laughs) and people like that, but I would be writing, living a very simple life um, and not being very glamorous at all, but feeling very, content probably somewhere like Bali or Thailand or or somewhere like that leading very still
0: life it's amazing to think I mean you kind of touched on it but so do you think if your parents hadn't asked you to come back you would have you would have stayed out there like were you not ready to come back at that time
2: I would have come back for a bit but it would have been to come back to prepare to go back again yeah um I I found that I just love traveling I really enjoyed it. I and also because I had tra- I was travelling with a with my boyfriend at the time. Um, there was a safety there, but actually I was ready to do it on my own.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I was ready to go out and and travel on my own. I did. I I'd done it for a year by then, and um, I had learned what to do and 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 this sort of thing and so yeah yeah I do I think that's what I would have done. I mean I
0: love the fact that your parent like it just shows how different life is today like your parents moved house and you didn't even know because there was no way of getting in touch That's such (laughs) literally I can just imagine your face of being like who is this guy on the phone so you did come back and I know that you said you worked in a clothes shop and you worked for local paper you said you wrote some travel and then it was then that you kind of decided to go all in and go to London. So what was that kind of thought process then? Like what, what was your sister at uni? And you just kind of like, I'm going to go off and do this.
2: Yeah. So she was in, my sister went to Hull and I was living in Chester and um, I was sharing a, a a house with a girlfriend of mine that we'd met working in a pub years ago. Uh, She was training to be a teacher and uh, working as a waitress. I wanted to be a journalist and was working in a clothes shop. We, we were sort of working on our dreams, I suppose. But I was writing for free. Um, I was doing work for, for free for the local paper on my days off. And then I applied to join the training scheme. And they turned me down because they said I had the wrong degree because I didn't have an English degree. I mm-hmm. had a history and politics degree and i said but you've been printing my stuff so clearly i can do it surely that's good enough and they offered me a place on such little money it wouldn't have been enough to even put petrol in my car really never mind pay the bills so i i got a loan and um i i told my parents right i'm going to go back to college again but i'm going to do this time i'm going to do a postgrad in 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 peri- uh, periodical journalism i did and uh, moved to moved to London and lived I, I literally slept on floors until I found a bedsit, and then I lived in a bedsit and uh, went to college and got my got my qualification and then j- just worked for free for anyone who yeah. would have me, and just worked my way through my savings because I'd, I'd worked in the, in the clothes shop. And I think the reason I decided to go all in was I thought, right, I, I want to be a writer. I'm clearly not going to be a travel writer because I'm going I have to stay in the UK. Right, What's, where, where do I need to be? I need to be in London. London is where it happens. That's the streets paved with gold. And, you know, when I was 15 and I'd worked for the local paper, the, the editor then was this really sweet man. And he'd said to me, well, you know, how are you enjoying your time? And do you think it's been useful? And what your ambitions? And I was 15 living in the Midlands at the time um, with chronic acne and wearing a jumper. My granny knitted me and hair that my mum permed just to give you context. And (laughs) I said, I'm going to be the youngest ever editor of Cosmopolitan. That's my goal. And he looked me up and down and said, good luck. And clearly that never happened, but it was kind of in my head that, okay, that this is where I need to be. I need to move to London. This is where all the opportunities are. I have, I have, no inroads, no contacts, but i what's the worst that can happen? And it's definitely not going to happen if you don't go. So you might exactly. as Exactly. Well
0: and even if you've got that vision and you know, it may not come true, you just never know. And I actually can see such a parallel with kind of what you've done with this girl is on fire because you just took that decision to do something. And like, would you say you, you kind of followed your gut rather than just being impulsive? You just kind of knew deep down, it was just what you should do.
2: Well, in terms of, you know, like, when I moved to London, um, I was 23, 24 then, um, you know, I I'd I'd applied for a loan. I'd I'd gone to my parents and said, Look, can you pay for the course and I'll get a loan to, you know, see me through the rest of it. And I'd rung ahead, I had one friend who lived in London and said, Can I sleep on your floor until I find somewhere? So I had kind of done a bit of due diligence. Yeah. This time around in my 50s, quitting my job was a very different thing because obviously I have people who rely on me, I've children, you know, I have a mortgage. I didn't, I literally when I did it in my twenties, I packed everything I owned in the backseat of my car and drove to London. I didn't, no one was relying on me. Yeah. Whereas this time around it's a bigger jump. So yes, it was gut. It wasn't rash. Mm-hmm. I just listened. Your body tells you, Yeah. you think you don't know, but you know, it's like that whole thing of if you have a big decision to make, do heads or tails and flip a coin. You don't even need for it to land because yeah. while it's mid air, you know which side you want it to land on. So That's true. your gut telling you.
0: I mean, thank God you did because it goes on to your whole career, which is we'll talk about in a moment for your second moment. But I love this moment because you know it's it really boils down to if your dad hadn't have got that job. He wouldn't have rung you to tell you to come home. And, and I, as I said before, like this is why sometimes reflecting on those moments is brilliant because you can piece everything together to be like, you know, it's not ultimately what made you go to London, but the kind of consequences of those decisions
1: are what drove you to go there. So um, I love that moment. It's brilliant.
0: brilliant and it goes very nicely onto your second one so I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I want you to actually explain the whole thing because it's brilliant it's got so many moves and curves in it so you actually misread a job application that changed the course of your life so this is a brilliant one so I'm going to let you explain what you kind of what was the job that you saw and kind of what unfolded after that
2: so I was living in my bedsit and it was it was the size of a disabled toilet to give you some wow. kind of context it was so small that it had like a tiny mattress on top of a cupboard there was not enough floor space to put a bed in there was a dog tied up outside that barked all day long oh it was it, it was that's how i was yeah. living and i'd finished my course and i was i was applying for every single job going cuz i was getting to the point where I was money was running out I was I was living in this bedsit where literally you put 50 pence pieces into a meter for your electricity really? and your heat and if you ran out of 50 pence pieces the lights went out and the heating went out so there were many evenings wrapped in duvets yeah. <laughs> just waiting wow. for the sun to out. so I was applying for every job that was going and anyone who's been in this situation knows sometimes you skim read and you you just think yeah that'll do and there was this job and I can remember it was in the magazine it's it was it's called UKPG, but it's called UK Press Gazette at the time and uh it said journalist with on-screen presence and interest in the weather and I just saw journalist and I thought I did geography at school I can I'm interested <laughs> in the weather okay and so I wrote this this letter all about how I'd been traveling and I love different kinds of weather and it was this <laughs> application letter and they'd said you know please send showreel I thought I don't know what showreel is um I'll send a photograph yeah. so I sent this in and um the reason I'd chosen the bed sit that I did was because there's a phone line in it and okay. it meant that I could bring my parents and my sister and this sort of thing so I'd put this phone number down and Ages later, I got this really snotty phone call from this lady saying, I've been told to ring you. You've sent in the most ridiculous letter, but apparently they like your photographs. I can't um, believe she said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, I mean, it goes on to actually be quite funny, but she was really rude to me on the phone. Okay. Um, Can you come in for an audition? And I said, What well, I'm sorry, what is this actually for? And she So basically it was to audition to be a weather presenter Uh and I had inadvertently applied to become a weather presenter um I thought this was hilarious because I had (laughs) no intention of being a weather presenter it wasn't even on my radar yeah um but I was free that day and I thought what an interesting thing to write about an experience of what's it like to audition to be a weather presenter so I turned up I was the least nervous there because everyone else was desperate yeah. And sometimes when I, you,
0: you take the pressure off, it's when you become your most natural yeah. self.
2: I was so chilled. I was completely chilled. And um, so they asked me to stand against a green screen, look down a camera and talk about something for a minute. And they put this earpiece in. Again, I just thought this was so funny. So I just went, OK, hi, I'm Andrea McLean. This is the funniest thing. I really shouldn't be here. But today happened to be my day off. And I think I've applied for a job by mistake. But here I am. And it was fine. I found it quite. I just said a funny story. So they said, OK. And then they took us into this room and they gave us a weather briefing. But they spoke so fast and so quickly that everyone else was kind of scrabbling to take down notes. But I did shorthand because I trained Ah. at journalism college. So I took my notes in shorthand and then I just thought, this is just like writing a story. Basically all they want is a beginning, a middle and an end. And what are the key points? So I just made it into a little thing like that and made some little bullet points in my head. And so that when I went to go and present it, that was how I just told a story and I got the job. It was the weirdest thing because they called me in and the lady who'd been so rude to me on the phone, her name was Sally Goldsworthy. And Sally Uh Goldsworthy changed my life because she sat me down and she went well you were a surprise I <laughs> did not expect this from you um we haven't actually got a job for you right now but we're going to put you we're, we're here basically we're we're getting a pool of people together and you're the one today your name's going down on the list are you interested and I told her the full thing about how no yeah. I'm I'm really not <laughs> yeah keep my name down and we we had a good laugh about it and left two years later I got a phone call from someone saying, your name has been passed on to us yeah. as uh, one to call back. I i mean, by then I'd totally forgotten that I'd even done it.
0: Yeah, you hadn't been I, uh, researching the weather for no, the past two years.
2: I hadn't, no. <laughs> by then I was production editor of a features agency. I yeah. was working every hour, God sent. I was hating it because I wasn't doing any writing. I was just being a logistics person. And I I had already booked a day off to go for another job interview. And it happened to be on that day. Again, sliding doors. Yeah. And I I said, well, I'm free in the afternoon. And they said, okay, can you come on in? So that morning, I did an interview for Just17, which was the worst interview in the history of all time. And And was that kind of like a dream job for you? Dream job. I wanted this job so badly they could smell it on me. Yeah. I... Stammered my way through. I did a terrible, terrible job. I'm embarrassed now when I think about it. And I walked out thinking, I I never even want to see them again. Never mind. I I hope they don't offer me the job because I'm going to have to see these people again. (laughs) And then that afternoon, I did the interview for a job with the Weather Channel in America. Mm -hmm. And as I walked out of the room, I can remember thinking, I've got the wrong job. And I did. I got the wrong job and I decided they offered me mo- one month's work with no guarantees and I quit a staff fully paid normal yeah. job for one month I just jumped because I and thought I'm it. not happy where I am yeah um, who knows where this might lead and literally six weeks later I was in Atlanta being trained in how to be a weather presenter it's such it an was incredible the story it in my life it's amazing because
0: I mean, I mean, you're so right in kind of what you said. I think sometimes when we want things so, so badly, the pressure's on too much and then the pressure eases on something else and you, you just become what you're meant to be and you flourish. I mean, at the time, were you really gutted for not getting just 17 or did you kind of think, you know what, everything happens for a reason? And is that kind of why you were like, I'm just going to take this weather opportunity, see where it goes? And I mean, it's what led you to where you are today.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was I was devastated that day um, because I I, mean, you know, when you flunk something, you know, when it's gone really badly. And uh, I just thought this this is obviously what was meant to happen today. So I took it on the chin and and thought, just run with it, because this isn't something that this has just landed in my lap and people try really hard to get this go just go for it just yeah. just try it and just go for it and what's interesting is moving forward in my you know 20 odd years of working in tv every job that I've gone for in tv that I've really wanted I've never got ever really I've been I've been up against uh you know uh, well not up against but up for um some really amazing jobs in tv never got them and yet the great jobs that I have got have kind of landed sideways and it's yeah. been because I was quite chilled about it and wasn't sure. I didn't even want loose in when it first came up. I, I turned that down. I just thought that's, you know, that's the, the, the job where there's lots of shouty ladies yeah. and, uh, I, I took it because it was a good job, but it wasn't necessarily a job that I wanted. And I thought I'd give it a go for a bit and ended up being their longest serving host.
0: <laughs> it's, it's so great because actually, if you really think about the moment where, you know, you could have gone in, I mean, just 17 was like the place to be when we were younger, but like, you know, it would have taken down a whole different path of, you know, publication journalism and so different. And, you know, it's it I just keep thinking about that one day of your life where so much happened to you. It's brilliant. And then, so you went to Atlanta and got And then how how did the kind of jobs come about in the UK?
2: Well, the job was, it was actually a UK-based job, but they sent us to Atlanta to get trained. So I trained with Carol Kirkwood, who's now obviously BBC's... um, uh, breakfast weather uh, weather presenter um, Louise Lear, who also works for the BBC, and there were there were a few of us. There was about six of us at, at the time, and we we all found this hugely exciting. We're all flown out to uh, to Atlanta. We were trained, and we were brought back, and we we actually were based in central London in in Charlotte Street, um, so just up north north of Oxford Street for someone who who had been production editor of a tiny little features agency in Kentish Town, was working ridiculous hours with everyone going mad with deadlines and everything comes on you yeah. and so much pressure to literally just have a job where all I had to do was turn up and do one thing. I I kept asking them, are you sure there's nothing else that I need to be doing? You know, do I, do I need to help prep for tomorrow? No, you come in and you get your briefing and then you it. your job is to is to shine on the telly, on yeah. on that bit. I was like, this is the best job in the whole world. So I spent 18 months literally living my dream life yeah. where I got to learn how to be on TV with no one watching because mm-hmm. it was back in the day, there was no social media. Um, that hadn't been invented yet. Makes me sound really old. But yeah, kids, imagine that. No social media, <laughs> no phones with cameras on. Yeah. So I was working in tv having so much fun no one was watching no one cared and I worked with some really lovely people and then out of the blue I got made redundant it was terrible um I'd literally gone out for a drink the night before with a girlfriend who I was working with we'd moved in together she'd moved into the flat I was in we were living our dream life you know we were Doing a job we loved with people we loved. We'd literally gone out for a meal and toasted ourselves, going, We live our life. And I got made redundant the next day. Oh, God. Um unknown to me, the weather presenter on GMTV, on breakfast television, had quit. And when I went into work the, you know, that, that week to sort of work out my my notice,
0: yeah.
2: uh one of the meteorologists went, Well, you know, there's a job going on GMTV. So I sent uh uh this time I did have a show reel
0: yeah
2: and sent it into the editor with a photograph just purely oh my gosh, yeah I've got bills to pay and you yeah. know there's another job. Great, I'll we'll do that one. And um unbeknownst to me, the editor's secretary opened all his mail, burst out laughing at my photo and took it into him and said, I didn't know your girlfriend wanted to be a weather girl. And apparently, I really looked like his girlfriend. So they <laughs> called me in purely to see if I looked as much like her in real life. Really? So I didn't know, and I didn't know this. And I turned up all bright and bushy-tailed, thinking, "How amazing! I'm being auditioned for the GMTV weather presenter slot." And uh, so they called me in, and they looked me up and down, and they were laughing and going, "Gosh, she really does, doesn't she?" And I had no idea what they were talking about. And then he said well, while you're here, you might as well audition. I thought, why else would I be here? Yeah, not... So I did, and I, I did the audition. And basically, I didn't get the job. But what I did get was the job of training the person they'd actually already hired. Oh, and yes. so they'd hired a model. And uh, it was a male model. And he was really lovely. He was a really handsome young man. But he didn't have, have any experience in doing the weather So they trained, they got me to train him to do the job. Um, and he just was a lot better looking than I was. And he only lasted about five weeks because actually it's an incredibly stressful thing. It's live TV. There's a lot more pressure than people realize. So he, he left and they called me in to fill in while they found someone else. Um, So I literally just turned up every day, not knowing when I would be. And then, so I did a week and then I did two weeks and then I did a month and I just kept turning up and being quiet and doing the job until it probably about six months later, they looked around and realized that I was still there and it was easy. And so I got given the job. I didn't, I didn't, there was no fanfare. Well, when I'd been there for, a good while and i felt that right my i think i'm here to stay now i went to see this editor and i said you know just so you know i'm actually a journalist so if there's anything else that you want me to do um i'm here i'm capable of more so what i used to do was i would do a week of weather and then a week of feature reporting Amazing. and that was how i ended up sort of learning the craft of yeah. everything i'd learned as a print journalist but learning how to do it on screen and I i was there for 11 years in the end wow and it was amazing it it was absolutely amazing
0: I mean what a fantastic story I mean if you didn't look like his girlfriend you know if like there's so many things that happened I mean if we really drill it down to the beginning if you hadn't have seen that advert and just seen journalist and gone for that thing. If the woman hadn't have found your letter funny, like there's, it's such a brilliant story because it really makes you realize that, you know, yes, things happen for a reason, but there are lots of little bits and people's decisions that kind of made, and you did, you fell into something that you were so brilliant at and where you were meant to be that got you to kind of do your whole career in
2: broadcasting. And and I and I agree. And people think, oh, everything is obviously just happened for you in this easy kind of rollout. But actually, there were a thousand different variables yeah. that could have taken me down a different direction. And and also, I think when you do get an opportunity, recognize it mm-hmm. and give it your all. Totally. You know, don't just just kind of sit back and think, oh, well, you know, here I am. Go and see the boss and say, hey, I'm I'm actually capable of more. Can I do this? And and be prepared to be rubbish at it and be prepared to be laughed at in meetings, you know. And I think recognizing that you've had a sliding doors moment and then going all in with with integrity and with Mm -hmm. passion and commitment, but also not being afraid to make a fool of yourself. That's what keeps you going, not just that moment.
0: And also just knowing that, as you said before, it doesn't have to be the big song and dance of, woohoo, you've got the job, you're amazing. Actually, you persevered and you just did what you did and you you carried on and it led you to where you are. So what a fantastic story. And I love that I've learned all of that about you because it's just brilliant. Um, so we'll go on to your third moment, which is also really lovely. So um, going on a blind date that you didn't want to go on and ended up meeting your husband and you've now been together ever since. So you mentioned that you, you'd been through a really horrible divorce you'd been on your own for a while you started dating someone they didn't treat you well and your friends were like enough is enough um and arranged for you to go on a blind date and you only went because you didn't want to let them down so do you want to kind of explain a little bit about the date that you went on
2: so i'd i'd been set up on this blind date i'd i'd never i'd never been on on a date before really um because although i'd been married before um, it, it, I'd never, I'd never been on the dating scene. You know, I yeah. met my my, my father of my, my son and my, my first husband, we met at school. I sat behind him in geography. Um, it, it, it just wasn't, this wasn't something that I did. So, uh, I thought, right, I'll go along purely because she'd set it up as a double date. So it was her and her husband and me and this guy. And it was such a palaver to even go to this date because I had to you know i have two kids by two different fathers so i had to drop my son off in cent- in central london and then i had to drive my daughter around to to her dad's and he's n- north of london then i had to drop the dog at the kennels and then oh, drive God. all the way down to brighton by the time i got there i was thinking this had better be a good night yeah. because i've made so much effort yeah. to get here and um so i i turned up and um we I met at my friend's house and we 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 had a couple of drinks before we went and we we met them at the bar and her husband was with you know this guy and I I wasn't wearing my glasses so I didn't see what he looked like when he walked in it was just a a blur (laughs) but when he when he sort of got closer the the main thing I remember was that he looked really nervous and he smelled nice so they're too quite endearing too quite endearing totally (laughs) (laughs) no uh it's it turned out he didn't want to be there either because yeah. he, he was, I'd been divorced for a while. He was getting divorced and it, 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 it was a, it was in a really, it was a really difficult time for him. And he literally only went for the same reason because you did. he was friends with the husband and he was like, well, okay, I'll go just not to let you down. And we, I couldn't look at him for the first 20 minutes or so, because I was so nervous. So we're all sat around chatting. And then we, we walked out to go to the restaurant and our friends walked ahead and left us kind of to chat. And <laughs> oh, was that's, like, so that's even the like oh, the horrible part. It was just so cringy. And, and so he said, so what do you do? And I said, oh, I, I, I work with Donna. And he said, "Oh, uh, uh, are you a makeup artist as well?" Because Donna, as uh, my friend, is a makeup artist. And I said, uh, "No, no, I'm. Uh, I, I work on the same thing as her, but I do a, I do a different job." Yeah. <laughs> and said, well, what, what job is it? And I said, uh, "I'm an anchor." And he was like, "What's an anchor? Thinking <laughs> and something that drops off of ships and into the sea." And I said, "Well, uh, I'm actually on the show that she." Works on, uh, and he sort of did a double take, and he went, "Oh my God, you're that one that sits on the end." And oh yeah. my God! Um, uh, and I, I just thought, "Oh, this is just so awful. I <laughs> don't want to be." Oh my God, I've been on a date with that woman from the telly. And um, as we came around the corner, and I literally just said it to him, "This hen party was there," and they all just started screaming and going, "Oh!" And they were covered in L-plates and veils. And they literally just thrust their phones at Nick and went, take pictures of us. And he was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and so I'm standing at his hen party looking at him like, I'm so sorry. And he took all the pictures and he went, wow. So is That's this normal? You. <laughs> yeah, this is.
0: You're definitely not a makeup artist.
2: So we went and we sat down. And I just proceeded to get very, very drunk. And I told him everything about me. Yeah. And I just said, listen, you know who I am. You could go and Google me once you get home. You're going to find all kinds of rubbish. And 90% of it isn't true or it's been misconstrued and twisted. This is me. This is my truth. This is who we are. You can either take it or leave it. Then we went we went clubbing, which again in itself is quite rare for me. Yeah. And we went disco dancing. And he turned out to be loads of fun. And um, again, this is going to sound very odd and I don't tell very many people this, but I might as well, Um, it was a very busy room. And at this point we hadn't even, other than the, the initial kind of kiss on the cheek, hello, we hadn't touched each other. And he took my hand to guide me through the crowded room. Yeah. And there was the most, it was like a bolt of electricity went through both of us and time stood still. Amazing. and the whole room stopped yeah the music stopped the noise stopped and there was just us and we looked at each other like we hadn't seen each other before it was the weirdest thing as if as if we'd known each other before at a different time it's the yeah. only way I can describe it and then he kissed me now, I am not the kind of girl that does this kind of thing. <laughs> we snogged like teenagers in this nightclub in Brighton with sticky floors and 45 minutes later came up came up for air and then went to find our friends who were laughing at us. Oh, I bet they loved this. Um, they were like, get in. Okay, <laughs> yes, we knew you two would get on. But it was the strangest thing because we hadn't expected that to happen mm-hmm. at all. And then I did something that I've never done in my whole life. And I just said, shall we go? And I went home with him and I'd known him four hours and we've
0: oh been together God. ever since. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's such, the way you describe that moment so beautiful. And actually I think, you know, you you bring up such a good point because everyone always says you always find what you're looking for when you're not looking. And I hate that saying because I'm always like, But how are you never, how are you not looking like, you know, you always are when you're single, but there are those small moments where, as you say, it was such a palaver to drop your kids off and do this, that you genuinely were just like, I'm literally just doing this to go through the motions. And it's. It's such a brilliant moment. And as well, like the fact that, you know, you did have that funny part with the hen do and stuff. You broke the ice probably without you really realising beforehand. Um, and I guess I always think, you know, when you can't be bothered to go on a date, there is something always in the back of your mind that thinks, but what if that's the one? Like, what if I don't go and I miss that opportunity? And I love this story because you've really just proven that, you know, you've got to just go because you just never know. Not that I want you to think about this, but do you ever think like, how your life would have been different if you hadn't have gone on the date.
2: Yeah. And we've spoken about that. And I think being brutally honest, I would be on my own.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I think I would be happily by myself. Um, I, I think I would feel, do you know what? I've been married. I tried that. It's, it doesn't work for me. And I would I would be on my own. But I don't think I would be lonely. I just yeah. think I would be on, I'd be on my own. But it, it is, it's it's a lovely story as well, because I think
0: from how you've described it, the timing was just so right for both of you. As you said, you know, he was going through a hard time. You'd been through a hard time. And I think you probably just, I, I think, I don't know, you're the type of person where when the pressure's off for you, good things seem to happen.
2: Yeah. And what's so funny was I ended up kind of rescuing him. Mm-hmm. And we we we've spoken about this in that he was he was he was depressed when I met him. He was having therapy. He was not in a good headspace at all. He had he'd lost everything, mm-hmm. and he. Funny enough, I turned up. I moved to London with everything I owned in the backseat of my car. He turned up to live here with everything he owned in the backseat of his. Really, in this clapped-out old car that he never knew would even make the make the distance, and I. I rescued him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And what's so interesting was years later, he ended up rescuing me. He didn't rescue me at the time. Yeah. Um, because obviously when I, we call it the year I face planted, when I just fell down, uh, he rescued me right back. Mm-hmm. And it's not something either of us, you don't set out to do that sort no. of thing. But I think there was something about our relationship that we we knew we could fall and the other person would catch them. Yeah. What a
0: lovely story. And also you would never have this girl is on fire that you both run together. So it's what a great story. I absolutely love that. And it's going to make me go on more blind dates just in case I find one on on that as well. (laughs) Um, So before we finish, and this is probably quite a hard question because you've got so many of them, but what would you say out of the ones we've discussed is the most pivotal sliding doors moment for you that if that really hadn't have happened, you wouldn't have been where you are today?
2: I think... It was misreading a job advert Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, I I would think I would have always ended up being a writer of some kind. Even if I hadn't moved to London, I'd have still, I'd have always been a writer. So that would have happened just in a different way. Um, I would never have dreamed of working in TV. And the fact that I misread a job advert that somehow got me in front of the camera that changed the whole course of my life so thank goodness for skim reading and not paying attention oh incredible oh andrea thank
0: you so much for joining us on sliding doors today it's been fantastic to chat to you i've loved all your moments and wishing you all the best of luck with this girl is on fire with your app coming out soon and just everything that you're doing and you've had a brilliant life and just keep doing everything that you're doing
2: oh thank you jenny i really appreciate that thank you thanks andrea
0: all right bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much.